Timothy, kiddos, if you'd like to be dismissed for Children's Church, uh, you can go out the... I knew that would happen. Sorry about that. Um, you can f- follow... Um, who is it out the back? Grace. Yes, follow Grace out the back. Thank you guys for leading us in worship this morning. I'm sorry I scattered everything this morning. I'm not sure what happened. There's my Bible. Thank you, sir. That was a great introduction. You know, Brenda and I didn't plan uh, today on what I was speaking on or what she was uh, leading on, but it's the same kind of thing. The, the song, um, I, I love, you know, basically really all the songs had to do, all the, the praise that we've had this morning, and including this last song that asks a bunch of hard questions. You know, can... Uh, can a song rise from this broken life? Can, can, can we have redemption? Will redemption win in the end? Um, I want to talk to you today about discouragement. And um, I don't know, there's so, much, there's so much to say. Matter of fact, I'm going to take a little bit of time today and then we'll, we'll also uh, talk about discouragement again next week. And then come this fall or maybe over the winter, um, I'd like to go through the book of Job with you all and just talk about suffering and the Bible's view of suffering and where it comes from and what it's about and, and all that. But today, um, I just want to want to talk to you about, about discouragement. I want to tell you, we're going to start just maybe as an introduction in the book of Habakkuk, um, one of the prophets to Judah. And um, before I read it, I want to just kind of, well, let me give you a little historical backdrop for where Habakkuk was writing from. Um, he was a prophet to the northern, I'm sorry, the southern kingdom of Judah. This was after, you remember, after David and, and Saul, Saul, David and Solomon, after them, the kingdom of Israel split into another northern and southern kingdoms, as you remember. And then um, the northern kingdom of Israel was taken captive uh, by Assyria back in like 622 B.C. Well, um, then it would just be about 40 years or so before the southern kingdom was defeated by another empire that rose in those days, in those ancient days, uh, the kingdom of Babylon, um, whenever the southern kingdom was defeated. And, and Habakkuk was writing right in between those times. And so he was, uh, the northern kingdom had been taken captive. The southern kingdom was seeing Assyria, the, the influence of Assyria uh, uh, declining and the increase of this Babylonian, or really it was a neo-Babylonian empire, there had been one back in the days of the patriarchs too. But there was this neo-Babylonian empire that was gaining influence uh, there in the area of, the, of, the, of, uh, of Mesopotamia. Um, and they saw it, and they knew it was coming. And the Lord had sent several prophets to Judah, um, the, the two tribes of Judah, and have been telling them, you've got to repent, you've got to return, you've got to, you've got to come back and do what I've told you to do, you've got to start acting righteous, you've got to, you've got to quit uh, 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 prostituting yourselves with these, with these other idols, and you've got to come back to the God who loves you and who, and who saved you and, and uh, brought you out of slavery in Egypt. Um, and they knew it. They knew it was coming. God had sent several prophets to Judah, and they knew, they knew it was coming. And Habakkuk was, was the last prophet, really, who, who came and who, who would serve to Judah and warn them of what was coming. But they all knew what was coming. The influence of Judah had fallen, and after the split between the northern and southern kingdom, the glory days of the joined kingdom of Israel and Judah, back when the 12 tribes were all together under, under David, um, the, those glory days were all gone. Um, now there was no unifi- unified nation that wasn't all together. It was split up. And Habakkuk was writing in that time. And, and it's, really a, it's, a, it's a really sad book. It's a really sad pr- uh, uh, group of prophecies because Habakkuk is, is, is asking God a lot of questions. And actually, it's really interesting. God actually answers his questions. But um, he, God, uh, Habakkuk is asking, his que- answering, asking questions like, God, why do the evil prosper and your people are, are falling? Why, why are we oppressed and 
we see evil kingdoms and evil empires continue to rise in influence, and they all knew that these Babylonians were going to be a threat against Judah. And so he asks, if you have your Bible with you, and we're just going to look at a couple of verses here uh, just for a setup here for, for what we're talking about, about today. In Habakkuk, if you can find Habakkuk, I tell you, it's a little bit hard. There's a lot of Z prophets and a couple of H prophets at the very end of the Old Testament. If you hit Haggai, uh, turn left. You know, Malachi, turn left. You'll, you'll get there. Habakkuk, one of the minor prophets. So um, Habakkuk. So here he is, and, and here's, what, here's what he's kind of made some complaints. He's been asking God questions about why evil prop, prosper. Um, and then he's going he's gonna, to he's gonna reflect now and, and ask. He's, he's seeking the Lord. He's saying he's going to say today, he's going to say, we're going to see him say, standing at this moment where he knows that, that, that Judah is declining and it's under threat by this evil Babylonian empire. And he, they know what's coming. They know that, the, that God's threatened to destroy them if they didn't turn. And look, what me, look with me what he says in Habakkuk, uh, starting in the middle of in, uh, uh, chapter 3, verse 1. A prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet. The, the, uh, prophet. Uh, Lord, here's, here's the beginning of his prayer and this is probably the uh, maybe the best um, summary uh, of uh, uh, or theme of Habakkuk Lord I have heard of your fame I stand in awe of your deeds O Lord renew them in our day that's all I'm going to read of that verse but what does he say Lord I have heard of your fame I, I stand in awe of your deeds O Lord Renew them in our day. Let me, let me tell you, I, I think what, he, what he's saying is that he's known the Lord's goodness. He knows how, the God has, how God has acted on behalf of his people in the history of Israel. But notice what he doesn't say here. He's not saying, Lord, I see your fame. Lord, I see your activity today. I see what you're going doing. This is the complaint of Habakkuk all the time. Lord, I don't see what you're doing. I don't see your goodness toward your people. I don't see that you're delivering us. I don't see that you're prospering us. I don't see it happening. And what he prays for and what he, how he starts his prayer is, he says, Lord, renew that goodness toward us. Renew your good works toward us. Renew it today. He's praying and asking for God to do for them what he hasn't, hadn't been doing for them in, uh, in a few generations. He's asking for God's goodness to be renewed. Look with me over, now skip over in cha- the same chapter, chapter 3. And look with me in chapter 17 and 18. I'm sorry, chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. Sorry if I said the chapter. Look what he says. Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails, and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen, and no cattle in the stalls, yet, read it with me, I will rejoice in the Lord. How about that? I, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. Here's a question I think that all of us have. You know, so, so Habakkuk was writing at a time where, where there was famine, you know, where they were suffering. I mean, this was real suffering, right? There was real famine in the land. Uh, but, it, but it wasn't just a, it, he, I don't think he's talking here about just the physical famine, but he's also talking about nationally what's going on with the people of God. You know, the northern kingdom was carried off. Right, the Assyrians, you know, the, the Assyrians came and they carried off a, a, a bunch of them. They they deported a bunch of the a bunch of the Israelites, and Judah's left there basically alone to defend herself against the threat of the of Egypt in the south and and the the Babylonian kingdom and the Assyrian kingdom from the north and the east. And she's left there alone. And so and and we have this time period where where the, the all the riches, all the goodness, all the power of Israel and Judah is just plummeting and it's just going down and down and down. And so he says, Lord, I. We're in a famine. There's no food. There's no crops. There's no livestock. And even in the midst of this, he says, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. 
Listen, I, th- that's, a, th- that's a powerful statement to me because here's what I know about me and here's what I know about you. When you and I are going through times of famine, when you and I are going through times of, of suffering, when we're going through times of discouragement, th- they seem so overwhelming that we can't rejoice in, in, the, in the presence of God. We, we don't go to Him. We, we actually tend to avoid Him. You know, When we're going through a time of suffering, we're going through a time where, where we just seem to be enveloped by, by this, this, just this dark cloud that just seems to be discouragement. We just feel like there's no hope anymore. We, oftentimes, we just avoid God at those times. Yeah. But Habakkuk says, Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. How in the world do you, in the midst of that circumstance, and you've had those times in your life, and we've had those times, I've had those times in my life, we had those times in our marriage, we've had those times with our children, we've had those times with our circumstances, where things seem to be so overwhelming, where it just seems like God isn't doing anything on our behalf. It's hard for me, and it's hard for you to find joy in the Lord in those times, isn't it? It's difficult. How do you find it? How do you find joy in the Lord? How do you find any joy in those times? How do you see that there's maybe something better coming? How do we see in those times that maybe there's hope, that maybe God's going to do something, that maybe something's going to change, or else maybe God's just going to help me get through it? How do we know? How do we see? How do we know that there's hope in those times, and how do we have joy for those times? That's what we're going to spend the rest of our time talking about, how we find that joy in the midst of discouragement. And I want to talk to you about just what discouragement means, where I'm coming from. You know, there, ha- there are times in our lives that we go through disappointments, right? Those could be big things or those could be minor things. You know, those could be like, for example, you go to Brahms and they never have chocolate almond ice cream. I, I don't know, that's me, maybe just me. But uh, I, I don't know what it is. Every time I want chocolate almond ice cream, they never have it there. I don't know what it is. Back when Brenda was pregnant, this was good. Back in, when Brenda was pregnant with Jonathan, she craved chocolate cream-filled donuts. And down here, our good friends at the, uh, at the donut shop, they never had them. Every Saturday morning for months, I would go, chocolate cream-filled donut? Uh, no, we're out of those today, Every, yeah, time after time. That's disappointment. But that's not what I'm talking about today, is it? What I'm talking about is something much bigger. I'm talking about something much greater. I'm talking about something that is such, such disappointment, like I didn't expect my life to be like this. I, I didn't expect my marriage to be like this. I didn't expect to have this kind of trouble with my finances. I didn't expect to have this kind of strife with my wife or with my husband. I, I didn't know that my children would suffer like this, or, or I didn't know what it would be like to, uh, to have my children, you know, struggle in their lives, even maybe as adults. I didn't know life was going to be like this. And there's that kind of disappointment that just hits you right in the gut. There's that kind of disappointment that, that, that like, takes all the winds out of your sails, and it's like a wet blanket on your life, and, and you can get under some of those sometimes. It's like, a, it's like a cloud over your life, and you just feel like it's a wet blanket just holding you down, and you can't see anything else but your disappointment. And if that goes on for very long, you know, any of us could take something for a short period of time, but if that disappointment goes on for days and weeks and months and years, and ultimately, if you've decided that, no, you know, I've prayed to God, I've asked him to rescue me from this, I've asked him to remove this, I've asked him to heal this, I've asked him to fix this, and it doesn't fix, and it's not healed, and it continues on despite your prayers, despite you saying, God, I can't live like this, and it goes on and gone, and you see no end to it. That little bit of disappointment can turn into a whole lot of discouragement. It it can outlast your hope, can it? It, 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 can, it can get to the point where you can't see anything good coming, 
where you say, there, Lord, there's nothing good left. There's, I can't see any goodness anymore. I think that's where Habakkuk is, and I think that's where um, a lot of times where we see the psalmist is time and time again where he says, Lord, where are you when I pray? You, you don't hear my prayers. You've turned a, a, a blind, you've turned a deaf ear to me. You've turned a blind eye to me. I can't, you're not hearing me anymore. You're, you're not responding to me. I can't see your goodness. Have you, have you forsaken me? Have you left me forever? We all go through times like that. I know we've had that time in our lives, and oh, I know we could all say that, that we have those times. Maybe even now, maybe you're going through a time right now where you've turned from a little bit of disappointment to incredible discouragement. Listen, it seems like in my life, or maybe in our life, in Brennan and I's life, it's, uh, it's a constant struggle. It's, it's kind of one thing to the next, you know. It, it's, it's difficult. You know, we had trouble in our marriage, and then, then we had trouble, you know, um, dealing with, with, with uh, Rebecca's disability, and then trouble with kids and trouble with finances. It just seems like there's always something, isn't there? There's just always something that's a struggle in this life. It's one of the reasons we look forward to heaven, amen? There's always a struggle going on in this life. And sometimes God rescues us. Sometimes he redeems. Sometimes it's immediate. Sometimes he saves. Sometimes he reaches. We know we pray and say, God, I can't do this. And he rescues and he redeems. And, and he pulls a loved one back, back from the dead. You know, Sometimes he redeems. Sometimes he does something miraculous for you and your health. Sometimes he redeems and he does something just incredible that no one can explain except God did something miraculous in your marriage or God has done something miraculous in your finances. But that's not what I'm talking about today. And listen, we should all be praying for those kinds of things because God is in that kind of business. Amen? But that's not the only business he's in. He's also in the business of helping us get through these years-long struggles that we face sometimes. Amen? Let's talk about it. What do you do? Where, Where do you go? You know, one of the one of the things that I dread whenever we're starting to go through one of those circumstances where you're thinking, God, God, if you don't deliver this, I, I don't want this to be the new normal. I, you know, I, I don't want this to now be what my life is, you know, whether it's a, a marriage struggle or, you know, maybe it's a divorce or the loss of a loved one or the loss of a mate, right? Maybe it's a loss of a dream. Maybe it's a loss of, of uh, how you had envisioned um, your life would be, and then it's just become very obvious to you because the Lord's not answering your prayer for immediate salvation, immediate relief, or immediate healing. And now this is something he's calling on me to walk through. What do we do then? Turn with me now over to the Psalms, if you would, Psalm 43, and we're going to look at look at one of the psalmist's answers here to, to discouragement. Look with me in, in Psalm 43. We're, we're going to read this whole chapter. It's five verses. We're going to read this whole chapter of Psalm 43. Listen to what, he, listen to what, he, what, what they write here. The, the sons of, of uh, Korah, the, they were temple assistants that, uh, that wrote some of the Psalms 43, 44. Um, and, uh, uh, so anyway, so in, in chapter 43, beginning in verse 1, Vindicate me, O God. And plead my cause against the un- ungodly nation. Rescue me from deceitful and wicked men. You are God, my stronghold. Why have you rejected me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? Send forth your light and your truth. Let them guide me. Let them bring me into your, to your holy mountain, to the place where you dwell. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God my joy and my delight. I will praise you with a harp, O God, my God. Why are you so downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior 
and my God. I love this. I love how this starts. Listen to what he says. Vindicate me and plead my cause. He's asking God, God, represent me here. You know, stand it for my case. You know, here Israel had been defeated, and this was the, t- this was, uh, the time where, where the, the enemies of the, of the Israelites were against them all the time. There was always outsiders, always with a greater army, always with greater influence than they had, always uh, over and over again, and he's pleading his cause against wicked nations, ungodly nations. Rescue me. Verse 2, you are my, my God and my, you are, I'm sorry, you are God, my stronghold. Now, look, listen to what he says. Why have you rejected me? Why must I go about mourning? oppressed by the enemy. Listen to what he says. He's, he's feeling rejected. He's mourning, and he's feeling oppressed by the enemy of, of Israel. Uh, that's where he's speaking from. That's where he's coming from. And uh, yeah, and he's, and he's, he's just, th- this, is, this is how he's feeling. This is where he's at, feeling oppressed, feeling mourning, and feeling rejected by God. I tell you, there's, uh, there's nothing like discouragement to make it, make it feel like God just doesn't care about you anymore, is there? There's nothing like discouragement that settles in and blinds your eyes to where you can't see his goodness anymore, right? You've been there? Yeah. I think we all have it sometime, and if you have it, uh, probably, I'm sorry, the problem time's probably coming. But, but, but let's talk about this. So then the, in verse 3 starts this real just beautiful prayer about, about what to do about it. So, so here's how he's feeling. He's feeling rejected. He's feeling oppressed. Um, he's discouraged. He's asking God, you know, stand up on my behalf. You know, do something for us. Do something for Israel um, is what they're asking, asking God to do. And then verse 3, just this beautiful prayer, and one I think that is a, a guide for us even today. Send forth your light and your truth. Let them guide me. Here's what I know about discouragement. Here's, here's the first point real, really here today. Discourage, discouragement is disorienting. It, it causes us to withdraw from God and withdraw from people. It, it gets us mixed up. It makes us feel like we, you know, we want to be by ourselves and we want to be alone. And we, would, we tend to withdraw from God. And we withdraw from people and we go, you know, we go hide and we go settle out somewhere as though we don't need people and we don't need God. Listen, let me tell you, if you're discouraged, you need people and you need God. At that time, more than, more than maybe any other, you've got to be around other believers who can, who can lift you up, and you've got to be in the presence of your God, which is really the, the whole point of the sermon today. You've got to be in the presence of God because it's at that time that you need Him most. Amen? But listen, discouragement is disorienting. It gets you confused. It makes you think that you want to be by yourself. It makes you feel like you want to be isolated from other people. But the truth is, you need people at that time. And you need God at that time. And listen, I know during that time you want to be isolated. I know that time you want to kind of self-soothe and and step back away from, from people. But listen, the best thing you can do is to get around another believer. To empty your heart out before him. Someone that you trust. Someone that you love and that someone that loves you. And just pour your out your heart to them and pour out your heart to God and say, God, I'm broken over this. God, I can't, I can't, I can't lift my head up because of this. I can't seem to get beyond this. I'm just, I feel like I'm trapped in this darkness and I just don't see any hope in this situation. Listen, that's the time that we have to be in the Lord's presence. And I think that's the time, that's, that's what he's saying here is that he says, Lord, send forth your light and your truth. The, God's light and his truth is, is the illumination that co- needs to come into my mind and clear up my thoughts from this discouragement and help me realize I need to go and worship my God in this time. 
right? We're so disoriented by discouragement that we can't see it. But what we need is God to illuminate, God to, to remind us of the truth that, no, we need God at this time more than any other. So he asked, he said, Lord, send forth your light and your truth. It's, it's, like God, it's like he's asking, Lord, send forth your truth and your like, light, like ambassadors leading us to, to guide us into God's presence. Because look what he says here next. Send forth your light and your truth. Let them guide me. And listen to what it says. Let them bring me where? To your holy mountain, to the place where you dwell. Where did God dwell in these days? This is at the temple. Right, so what he's praying for, send your light and send your truth to me and let them guide me where? Into your presence. Lord, let me, in the midst of my discouragement, lead me to the place where I can be in your presence because I need to be there. I can't see it. I don't know it myself. I need your light and I need your truth to get me there, to guide me there. But I need you to bring me. I need you to carry me into your very presence. I need you to call me back. I need you to call me to yourself. I need you to, to bring me there. That's where... I think the very first thing is in discouragement, there's, there's, it's disorienting, and we need to ask God to, to draw us, to guide us into his presence. The next thing in verse 4, then it says, then I will go. Notice it doesn't say he did this himself, right? It doesn't say, oh, I'm in trouble, I'm, I'm depressed, I'm, I'm all this, and so I'll just go to the temple. No, he says, I need God to help me. I, Lord, I need you to guide me there. I need your light and I need your truth to, to, to guide me back into your presence, to guide me to your temple where I can see you, where I can engage with you. And then it says, then, after God sends his light and truth to guide him there, then I will go to the altar of my God, to God, my joy, and my delight, I will praise you with the harp. Why don't we have a harp? Because we don't have a harpist, I guess. I don't know. So, just, but, but here's the next thing I like to say is, about, uh, is this, is that dis, dis, discouragement is also deceitful. And here's the problem. It makes us feel like our struggles are bigger than God. Right? This, this is what happens in discouragement. It, it, it's so deceitful. It makes it feel like that, that God doesn't care about you anymore, about all of the good things that he's done for us don't matter. I can't see any goodness. I can't see anything he's done. All I can see is this huge discouragement, this huge problem I'm having with my finances or my health or my loved ones or my relationships or whatever it is. And there, it's so deceitful. It makes you think that it's bigger than your God and it's bigger than his blessings that he's poured upon you. This is one of the reasons we've got to go to the altar. It's one of the reasons that we've got to go to the temple. Is that It's because at that time when we kneel down and we worship God, it's like a renewing of our mind. It's like a, it's like a, 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 it helps us gain perspective. It helps me remember when I kneel down and I praise God and I adore him for who he is and for what he's done for me, I begin to see, you know what? This thing that's, been, that, that, that's enveloped my whole life, is not as big as my God. This thing that I've let creep in into every area of my life and to, and to affect my attitude and affect my view of God and affect my view of people, I, you can begin to see there at the foot of the majesty of our King, we begin to see there this is not as huge as I thought it was. My God is bigger. And the blessings that I have from Him are more, they're larger, they're, they're more important than this struggle that I have in my life. And listen, here's what I want to say before I get too far. When we go through struggle, it is painful, it hurts, and that is real. But at the same time, what your God has done for you and who he is is real too. And in those places, in that, those times in your life, it's even more important to see them. Amen? 
It's that time in my life where I need God's perspective, when I need to know that I've got a big God who can help me through this situation, where I need to understand that He's, he's poured down His blessings on me more than I could ever count, more than I could ever say, more than I, can, more can, than I could ever account for, that I need to know that His blessings on me are, are huge compared to this problem that I have that really in the light of all things is painful, yes. Distracting, yes. Destructive in my life, maybe, yes but small in comparison. Amen. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God, my joy and my delight. How about that? You know, for a long time, it took me a long time to realize that I was supposed to find joy in my relationship with God. That's weird to me now, thinking thinking about it, that there's supposed to be joy in my relationship with God, that when I go to Him, it's supposed to bring me joy and happiness and feelings of blessing, right? Uh, in, in my presence with God. See, I had this idea that he was master and I was servant. I didn't have this idea that he was, that I had become his friend, that I had become his child because of what the Lord Jesus Christ has done in my life. Listen, there's joy in the presence of God. And one of the greatest joys we have is that when we have that face these overwhelming problems, these overwhelming struggles that seem to take up all of our thought life and all of our emotional life and just wear you out because you've been dealing with it day after day and week after week and month after month and year after year. To be able to go down and to kneel before the majestic God who's king of the universe, who's Lord over all, and who treats you like a daughter or a son and who loves you like a, like a husband loves his wife. Who, who treats you like a father that loves and cares for his child, that God, he's bigger than your problem. Amen? Thank God. Thank God. So I want to encourage you. We're going to talk about this again maybe next week. But, yeah, so, so uh, discouragement uh, is deceitful. And, and we've got to ask God, ask God to help us see our struggle in the light of his presence. And, and the last thing I want to say about going to the altar is this, is that worshiping God in the midst of discouragement that renews the joy that we find in his presence. And I tell you what, there is not a greater thing, there's not a greater anecdote, not anecdote, antidote, there's not a greater antidote for discouragement than joy in the presence of God. There's nothing better for you. There's nothing greater for you. You know, I don't care what else you do, but if you can't find joy in your relationship with your Savior, listen, it, 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 will, it will help you like nothing else. So here's what I, here's what I would say. Here's what I, here's what I think we're supposed to get out of this. Is if, if, are you suffering today? Are you in trouble? Are, are you discouraged? Is what you're facing absolutely overwhelming you today? I think God would say this. Come I think you would say, come and worship me. Come and worship me because it, it's in worshiping God that we begin to see that, no, he's bigger than all my problems. I forgot I was blinded. I was, I was disoriented. It was deceitful in my eyes. And it tricked me to think that it was bigger than my God, that it was, that it was stronger than him, but it's not. And you find that out when you come and worship God. Uh, when we begin to think that, that uh, you, when we begin to think that all of his goodness is gone and the days of, of God's favor is over, we begin to realize, no, it's not. His, the things that he's done for me so far are so much greater than the struggle that I go through. And maybe the last thing that we need to remember is this, is that Jesus is Savior. He may not have removed your circumstances. He may not have healed that physical problem. He may not have given you back a relationship that is broken but he is still Savior. Amen? Let me tell you how, right? 
you go through the circumstances today, and yeah, he didn't heal it, and he didn't fix it in the time frame we wanted, and why does he do that? I don't know. It makes me crazy too, right? I, I, want, it, I want it all fixed now. I want it all the financial, all the relationship, I want them all smoothed out now. Apparently, that's not his plan, <laughs> right? But instead, he shows us over again, you come to me, and I'll show you I'm a Savior. You come to me, and I'll show you what it's like to have me as your rock, You come to me and I'll show you what it's like to have a shelter. You come to me and I'll show you what it's like to have a fortress. You show me and I'll show you what it's like to have your strength renewed day after day after day. When you can walk in the midst of your circumstances and you can walk in that same difficulty, listen, and have joy in the journey. What do unbelievers do? What do people do who don't have the Lord Jesus Christ? I don't know, but, but you have a Savior, and He's alive, and he, he intercedes for you even this morning, even today interceding for us on, on our behalf. Amen? Standing before the Father and saying, I've done for them what they couldn't do for themselves, and I'm saving them, I'm redeeming them, I'm going to be their rock, and I'm going to be their fortress, I'm going to be their Savior, I'm going to be their strength to be renewed day after day, and I'm going to carry them through it. Awesome God, an awesome Savior. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what can we say, Lord? What a, what a majestic Savior you are. What, a, what an incredible blessing it is to know the Lord Jesus Christ. What an incredible thing it is to, to know what you've done to, for us, that you've redeemed us, that you are redeeming us, that you've saved us, and you are saving us. You give us strength, Lord God, when we need it most. Heavenly Father, I pray whenever we go through suffering and when that suffering turns to something long-term that you're not going to immediately rescue us from, Lord God, I pray that you would help us to come to you and to find you, our great God, our Father, our Husband. So we need you at that time. And those times more than any others, we need you to show yourself again and again to be our Savior, to be our rock, fortress, redeemer, our shelter, our healer. We need you, Lord God. We just we pray that. Father, I pray for every person here. If they're not going through a time of discouragement, Lord, I know, I know just the way that, that this world works, the way that you've made the, the, the journey of men, Lord God, there will be a time. I pray, Father, in that time that you would use your light and your truth to guide us into our knees to worship before you, that we may remember the majesty and the sovereignty of our King. That we can remember again the blessings that we have in you and find joy in the midst of suffering. Help us, Lord God. We're weak. We get confused, Lord God. We're, we're blinded by discouragement. It's deceitful. It's disorienting. It confuses us, Lord God. We need you to guide us back into your throne room, back to your altar to worship you as our God and our Savior. Help us, Lord, in our weakness, we pray. In Jesus' great name, amen. Amen. All right, y'all have a great week.